0: 002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com.
1: Good evening, Hillside Church and guests. We're glad that you're with us tonight. We're going to finish up tonight in our study of 2 Corinthians. We've gone through both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and now we're on the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians. We looked at the first few verses last week. We're going to go back over some of those to uh, look at some things that we didn't look at last week and uh, then finish up with the last few verses that the Apostle Paul gave to this church in instruction, admonishment, and help. And I pray that it's been a help to each one of us as we've gone through these things, looked at the Corinthian church in much detail. As we've seen, what their struggles were, what their problems were, and what the apostle Paul said that they needed to do in order to get these problems eradicated, get these problems over with. All right, let's let's read tonight the last few verses of 2 Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eleven through thirteen, and keep your uh, Bibles open at this reading and uh, we'll look at some of the verses that uh, we looked at last week as well as we continue this study of chapter 13. He says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we will be with all of you. Father, thank you for the conclusion of this study and this chapter. Help us tonight that we might be able to think on these things that would help us, encourage us, and be a benefit as we live for you in this world. And we pray your blessings on each one that's listening tonight. And again, Father, thank you for the privilege of representing you in this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, tonight, as the Apostle Paul gives his final preparations regarding his planned trip to Corinth, we looked at God's power last week, you remember, as we looked at the first of this chapter and uh, these several verses in chapter 13. But uh, tonight we're going to look more at uh, some of these verses and conclude with the final verses that I read just a moment ago. And he has tried to counsel and encourage the Corinthian church and it's been with only limited success. Now he's coming back in person to deal with the problems, to have something better perhaps for them in spite of all that he has done his visits with them the letters that he'd sent he says i give a warning when i gave a warning when i was present the second time and now i give a warning while i'm absent to those who sinned before and to all the rest if i come again I will not be lenient. So he's warning them that he's coming again to visit with them and his coming is going to be a little different than it was the first time. What if we received an advanced letter from an evangelist perhaps who was coming to see us and a warning for us to be ready because he was not going to spare anyone Not pleased with some of the things that he knew about our church. Well, we can think about that for a little bit. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, isn't he? And he's going to judge us according to how we've lived. Whether or not we've done what he wanted us to do. Well, let us notice the Apostle Paul's third visit that he talks about here that would be a confirmation of how serious the problems are in Corinth. He says, This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I give warning when I was present the second time, and now I give a warning while I am absent to those who sinned before, and to all the rest. If I come again, I will not be lenient every parent has used certain things to try and admonish their children to do right. Now some parents may not know how to read and write, but they know how to count, don't they? And whenever a child is doing wrong, a common response from the parent is to count one, two. Three, (laughs) you've probably done that. Many children must grow up thinking that the word three is another word for duck. (laughs) Run for your life. (laughs) Because it is the last word many parents say before they go off on the child. How many times have you read certain passages in the Bible and still not made the application for life changes that are needed in your life? Paul has now written four times to this church and was preparing a third visit. And yet some of the problems have yet to be fixed. What are some things that still needed to be addressed in that church in their lives? Well, one of the things that we find is that prayer is really important. God's Word is the only truth that a life can be built on. Telling others about Christ is something He really wants all of us to do. Christians really are supposed to love one another and get along. Gossip truly is sin. And God blesses so that we can give to others and not hoard what we're giving given. What the Lord has blessed us with. I really like the movie, or movies actually, that were made about a, dec- a decade ago, maybe a little more, regarding the life of White Herb. Any of you remember that? One was made starring Kevin Costner, and the other with Kurt Russell. I remember a scene in one with Kurt Russell where after one of his brothers was killed, he shouted out to the street, Tell them I'm coming. And hell is coming with me. What if we got a letter from the Apostle Paul saying, I'm coming to you, Hillside Baptist, and we're going to deal with all the things that I've written to you about that you have yet to do, that you have yet to take care of. And I will spare no one Would you try to miss that Sunday maybe? (laughs) I still remember my first year as a pastor. I was attending church that day, ready to preach. And just before the start of the services, I heard someone announce, it's a great privilege to have Pastor Don Brown visiting with us today. (laughs) my heart dropped, (laughs) realizing I was about to preach to one of the best-known preachers in our area. When the service was over, he paid me a compliment by asking for a copy of my outline. Well, evidently he enjoyed that message. What would you try to quickly change if the Apostle Paul came to set in our next church council meeting or our next Bible study. His point was that if after all these letters and the visits that he had made, certain problems had not yet been addressed. He was saying his next visit would not be as pleasant as the previous visits were. And then the Apostle Paul says, since they were so good at testing him, and you remember he's answered much about their testing him, about him being an apostle. Was he really an apostle, you know? And they were so good at testing him, they should be able to test themselves. Since you're seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, these people were so good at examining others and missing the log in their own eye. Are people still like that today? Do they see and comment on all the perceived sins of others and problems of others, yet fail to see their own faults and their own sins? If they're truly saved, then there should be a power within them to help them understand all of these things that are in their lives. The proof of their genuine faith would be evident by the power that would be found upon observing their lives. Notice verses 3-5. through It says, He is not weak toward you, but powerful among you. In fact, he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by God's power. For we also are weak in him, yet toward you we will live with him by God's power. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail the test. We're to test ourselves for our true faith. When's the last time you did a self-examination of your spiritual life? How many take it for granted that they have genuine faith in God and haven't really looked at themselves to see if their lives match up with what God tells us an individual must have? Do you see examples of dynamic, unquestionable faith available for comparison? What about our church? Do we see the dynamics in our congregation that needs to be there? Many people think that they're okay spiritually because of how they stack up to those in the pew around them. That's not what the Apostle Paul is telling this church to do. What if he was sitting in a seat right by the side of you right now? Those in Corinth thought they were okay because of how they looked next to each other, next to each Corinthian believer. The Apostle Paul says, I'm coming to the church and things were going to be different this time and he encouraged them to change if you were a prosecuting attorney with someone on the witness stand who was who had been accused of being a follower of Jesus Christ then what would you look for as evidence in that person's life what would be evidence of a new creation in Christ in them New thinking, new goals, new habits, new relationships, new priorities, new spending habits maybe. The word the Apostle Paul uses for fail the test is where we get the word reprobate. The concern that the test will show evidence that We're living in a way as if God did not exist. In a way that says our world revolves around ourselves. And it's not about God's will in our lives. And then, finally, the Apostle Paul says that he hopes the worst case scenario would not be what happens when he comes this third time. Let us notice verses 7 through 10. Now we pray to God that you do nothing wrong. Not that we may appear to pass the test, but that you may do what is right, even though we may appear to fail. For we are not able to do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. In fact, we we rejoice when we are weak, and you are strong. We also pray that you become fully mature, This is why I'm writing these things while absent. That when I'm there, I will not be severe. I will not use severity in keeping with the authority the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. The apostle gives them two things he's concerned about and wanted to see in the Corinthian church. He hopes that When he finally sees them face to face, the result of his strong letters will be a genuine change. And that the kind of change will be proof of their true faith in Christ. Verse 11 gives us some great ideas for things to work on regarding being a church. If we get this list down, then everything else is downhill. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. You know what? This would be a good passage to read before each business meeting, wouldn't it? (laughs) And then verses 12 and 13. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet uh, all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. A. T. Robinson makes a comment on this. He said, "As in the Jewish synagogue, where the sexes were separated, men kiss men on the cheek and women women. This was the Christian custom. Also, it's it's still observed in the Coptic." Russian, and some Latin American churches today. It was dropped many years ago because of charges made against Christians by pagans, non-believers. In England in 1250, Archbishop Walter of York introduced a PAX board. This was a board that was first kissed by the clergyman clergy. And then it was passed around to all the members for him to kiss, instead of kissing one of another's cheek, you understand. Think of the germ theory of disease and that kissing board going around to all the people in the congregation. One day it's going to be made evident the truth about how close Or how far we are from God's will in our lives. His coming is going to make it clear. We need to truly test ourselves by God's word. To look for evidence of genuine faith. Even if we have no doubts about our salvation. We should look for evidence of truly a surrendered life. Are we serving him the way he wants us to? Are we the kind of Christians He wants us to be? I pray tonight that you will examine your life. You will look at yourself and see whether or not you match up to the things the Apostle Paul has been saying in these first two letters that we've read, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And if you're truly saved, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then are you living for Him the way you should? Those are important questions. Examination. Knowing how we stand before God. Are we His child? And if so, how are we doing as a believer, as His children? Father, I pray tonight that we in Hillside might truly examine ourselves and see whether or not we are keeping the faith, whether or not we are living up to the expectations that you have for us. And Father, if there's one that's listening tonight that has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that more than anything else, they would do that. And again, Father, we praise you for who you are and what you're doing. And we thank you for all the lessons we've been able to glean from these two books and help us as we end that study tonight and we begin a different study next week that we might honor you with our lives and we might be the kind of individuals that would make a difference in our church and in the community in which we live. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 64386541, Email at Steve R Wood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at Gmail. .com
1: Thank you and God bless